Hello and welcome to Flicking and Screaming. I am Jed Sprague here with my co-hosts, JT Chipman. What's going on? And Evan Fagundis. Hello, everybody. And this week, we are discussing the man himself, Denzel Washington. That's right, baby. It's Denzel Week on the pod. How are we feeling, boys? I'm feeling great. You know, we had a good weekend. I got to watch a little bit of the Golden Globes. All sorts of controversy there, but in terms of the actual winners of those nominations, I thought it ended up actually being somewhat okay. Still plenty of issues to work out with the HFPA and the Golden Globes, but I had a good time. It was nice to like be back in a space where we can celebrate movies again. And like obviously they have television shows there as well, but we're movie guys and we want to see the movies, the good ones, be celebrated. And I think we got to see that a little bit this weekend, so I'm in a pretty good mood. Yeah, I... I couldn't have said it better myself, and honestly, I feel the uh, feel the same way. I love that movies are at the top of the consciousness right now. It seems like a lot of people are talking about them, um, both the good and the bad, of course, like you were talking about with the HFPA, no doubt. Um, and I felt like it was a fitting week for it to be Denzel, too, because he just feels like Mr. Movies. Like, he is mm. a movie star more than anything else. So I, I'm feeling great. I'm really excited. Love it. Love it. This was an awesome week. I was talking with Evan a little bit before we, you know, kind of uh, press the record button. I don't know if there's been a week where there's just been consistently such enjoyable movies to watch because even when necessarily the movies that Denzel are in isn't the best, his performance and like his charisma is just so magnetic that like you just have so much enjoyment. Um, I think you made the joke, Evan, in our group text, we could do two weeks straight. Like we could do a top five and then we could do the next five of Denzel and they would be be pretty good, am I right? A hundred percent. I think I, I think actually I said three weeks on uh, in the group text, and honestly, we could for the most part just because I want to watch them. You, I wouldn't even put them in my top five or top ten or anything. But all these movies are so uh, immensely watchable and entertaining, and I just love watching Denzel and Denzel movies. So yeah, I could go forever. I don't think Denzel has made a bad movie, to be honest. I'm sure you can. He has a lot of mid in his filmography, right? That's just going to happen when you've been working as long as he has, when you branch out and try different things. But even the mid movies that he's in, he's fantastic. He has doesn't give a stinker of a performance. He doesn't have like a letdown. You don't walk into a movie theater and be like, man, I wanted more from Denzel. That just doesn't, like, I literally can't imagine that. That's how strong of a performer he is, how magnetic and enthralling he is is so consistently so his mid is so enjoyable the mediocre movies that do exist i'm still gonna turn them on and i'm still gonna have a fun time if i have to like block out everything else in the movie and just focus on denzel i can do that and i'm, I'm gonna have a damn good time i don't know if you can say that about any other actor in like the history of modern movies 100 yes. percent. so we've called him mr movie on this pod we've talked about how magnetic this guy is we claimed he hasn't ever made a bad movie. But what do we think of when we think of Denzel, right? Like, there's so much. He's got such a wide filmography, which is what I noticed when I was determined to watch rewatch as many as possible. Chip, when Denzel pops in your head, what's the first thing you think of? Probably his Spike movies. Um, I think there's, there's categories of Denzel, right? I think Spike Denzel, that could be... If we were going to do like a three-week situation, you'd have a week of just Spike Denzel movies, right? I think you'd have a week of Tony Scott Denzel movies, which are, you know, these action, sometimes not that great, but always really exciting and a little bit dumb movies. You've got some of his more, uh, 
I don't know what the right word is, you know, serious drama work that he did with uh, uh, Demi, Jonathan Demi. Yeah. Um, so there's there's different categories that you can go through and like different categories of movies that my mind will just kind of sort him into as I go down the list. But my first thing I go to is his collaboration with Spike Lee. Um, I don't think he's missed with any of those at all. I think they're all classics in their own right. They're going to appear on my list. Um, I think, too, I, I think of him as like dad. You know, <laughs> and I think, I mean, a lot of movies, he's going to be playing a father, especially now his actual son, John David Washington, is making movies and becoming a movie star of his own. I think he's he's something of a stand in for like America's father and a bit of a comforting presence. I like that. I uh, we need to talk about John David uh, as well in a minute. But Evan, what's the first thing that pops into your head? So like I said before, the first thing for me is movie star. And when I say that, it sounds obvious, but I was thinking about it a little bit. And it's like when I think about Brad Pitt or Julia Roberts or Tom Hanks or these other like big stars, I think of them a lot outside of the movies as well. But with Denzel, so much of it is just inside film. I picture him as actual characters rather than like picturing Brad Pitt with long hair on the red carpet or something like that. So it's just something that comes to the top of my mind. Um, And then also just the ultimate presence, both in the way he gives looks and delivers dialogue, but also just like a physical presence. And kind of like what you were saying, Chip, there are times in lots of his movies, Denzel's not even in like the best shape. He has like a little bit of a gut going. He's still really good looking. Of course, he's an incredibly handsome man, but he does kind of give off that dad energy while at the same time feeling and looking like the coolest dude you would ever meet. So it's really amazing how he fits in that niche, like, is he unapproachable, but also he could be my father and, like, come to my birthday party and have a good time. So it's a really interesting um, uh, presence that Denzel has, and he's just the ultimate movie man. Yeah, and he doesn't have a huge celebrity profile outside of the movies. Of course, we'll see him at different red carpet events. We're going to see him um, in, in these photo shoots, but, like, not as much as other movie stars. You know, he doesn't make a name for himself. He hasn't really ventured into television that much, I don't think, either. Yeah, He's God like bless him. God bless almost him. Compl- yeah, exactly. That's what, you know, selfishly, that's what we want. We want yeah. these people, these actors, to stick with the film and to stay inside our movie houses. <laughs> that's what we love. Um, so he's just like pure, unadulterated movie guy, Denzel. Nothing beyond that. And I'm okay with that. Obviously, he obviously he's a great father, and yeah. he's made an impact within film as well, and like elevated so many careers, and ju- just makes everyone around him better. Makes everyone around him, I think, try harder because he's so good. But you know, elevates everyone as well. I think when I think about Denzel, and I don't mean this like I, saying this sounds like I'm kind of like degrading his career because he's such a wonderful actor. But I don't mean this in a bad way. When I think of him, I think of Sunday afternoon cable movies. Because he, there's just so many of his movies that make those TNT rounds, or yeah. like we, like I had Directv, like when I, like when my family got it when I was probably like a teenager, and like you know all those two hundreds channels are all just movies that are on, um, you know, all day long. Denzel is is probably on there almost every day. Like there's always a Denzel movie, um, whether it be his, you know, his Tony Scott action movies or or some of the ones with Spike that are kind of like making the rounds again. I think of him as like a a person that I know if I flip it on and I see Denzel, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just watch this movie because I know I'm not going to be disappointed. I know that I'm going to like 
get the satisfaction that I'm looking for, you know, kind of flipping through channels on a, on a Sunday afternoon. You guys know what I'm saying? hundred percent. And that's exactly, I think it goes along, Jed, the point that you were making goes along with what Chip was saying about Denzel making a ton of movies that like overall as a movie could be considered mid, but are just so watchable and so entertaining. So, because that's what TNT and TBS lives off of, right? Like they're mm -hmm. not playing Citizen Kane every single week or <laughs> anything like that. Like they're trying to play Man on Fire and Deja Vu and like taking a Pelham one, two, three. Like those are the exact type of movies yeah. that fit into that like TNT four o'clock to seven o'clock time slot where, and they just know people are going to tune in to watch them Denzel and have a couple ads thrown at them and make a couple bucks for the, for the station. So yeah, that's a great point. Um, all right. The other thing I think about, uh, when I think about Denzel and this is like my brag moment on the podcast, uh, one of the best experiences I've ever had in my entire life is, uh, I went to New York city right after I graduated high school with my grandma for a week. Um, and she loves the theater. I love the theater. We went and saw a bunch of Broadway musicals. We actually saw Hedwig in the Angry Inch with Neil Patrick Harris, like, like literally two nights after he had won a Tony. That was an amazing experience. And then we saw Denzel Washington star in Raisin in the Sun on Broadway. And like we talked a bit about his presence on screen, right? He's a, phys he's a large person. He's physical. He's imposing. He's very handsome. But sitting, you know, on a in, in a balcony and watching him on a stage next to like these other people, it is unbelievable how he was able to draw you in. And like I'll never forget that experience. And that will always I was lucky enough to obviously like, you know, see that and, and go through that. But I'll never forget that experience of like being like magnetic almost doesn't doesn't describe it, but you just cannot look away from what he's doing at all times. So Sorry, that was my little brag moment on, on the pod. You know, you dropped a couple of names. I don't know if you want to pick those up real quick or not. Uh, totally up to you. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I just imagine what he's like on set. You know, if you're up on the mm -hmm. balcony and that's how you feel. Like, imagine being on set, whether you're a camera operator or you're on boom or you're just a, an extra in that scene. And you're just surrounded by this holy presence of Denzel Washington. Whether it's, you know, Equalizer 2 or it's yeah. something, you know, really powerful. Like uh, like a he got game or something, you know, that's unbelievable. I, I can't even imagine. All right. I kind of wanted to talk about John David, but I almost feel like he's on his way to like he's like creeping up to getting, you know, a couple more years and he's going to get a pod of his own. So I don't know how much we want to talk about that, but like his son's also a phenomenal actor. I love I love everything that that he's doing right now. So shout out to John David Washington. Um. Okay, guys, do we have anything else to say before we pump into the top fives? I don't want to step on, like, we've, we've already dropped a couple titles. I don't want to, like, step on too many. Um, are we ready? I'm, I'm down. I, I'm excited to get into this one. Let's do it. Yeah, this is back, this is back into, into my territory, you know, after, <laughs> yeah. after a lot of love stories. Listen, I'm ready to get, get a little gritty here. In the wheelhouse. Chip, with that being said, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. Appropriately enough, for my number five choice, I'm going to go with Unstoppable. Mm. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> Fuck yeah, baby! Fuck yeah! I was so hoping that this was gonna be on your list because you you. <laughs> oh god, go ahead. This yeah. this movie's sick. Had to pick one of the Tony Scott movies to appear here. I think this is Tony Scott like boiled down to his essence, right? It's a 2010 film about a runaway train. It's like a modified version of the classic chase movie, if you know what I'm talking about. But it's you know on railroad tracks. 
90-minute thrill ride, and Denzel and Chris Pine are railroad employees who have to deal with this rogue, unmanned, speeding train going down the tracks, and, you know, you've got school children to worry about, and there's, like, explosives on board. I don't really—it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's on board. All that matters is that Denzel and Chris Pine have to go get it, and they have to stop it. (laughs) I think that Tony Scott, like, like most great directors who work with Denzel, they understand the importance of making him family man. You know, and I think that's really emphasized in this. It makes his heroics and his exploits so much more important. Like, oh, he's not only like trying to save this town or save these factories, he's trying to save himself and potentially his daughters. The style of the movie is so ADD, right? Like, he is, I think Tony Scott has a couple of the movies that might be a little bit more ridiculous, but none are as fast and mm. tight as this one, right? The, even the fucking breaking news scenes and exposition are just breakneck speed. And Denzel is just having so much fun with it. He's ridiculously active. At, at the end, spoiler alert, they stop the train. I mean, that's... Sorry, if you didn't guess that going in, that's... that's but it's called you. Unstoppable Chip. It's un- I guess they stopped it. There's your there's your headline. There's Only your Denzel. letterboxed review. Um, but, like, at the end, Chris Pine is the one who kind of is able to work his way up to the... Uh, front carriage engine, whatever you call it, and stop the train. And there's like five minutes of Denzel just like cheering on top of the train with his, <laughs> you know, his trademark smile, you know, fists raised in the air like they just won the World Series or something. And he's just like having the time of his life celebrating that they stopped this train. I mean, if you can't enjoy this movie, go fuck yourself, right? You don't appreciate cinema. You probably don't have a pulse. Okay. Love it. Great pick. <laughs> Evan. Unreal pick. I mean, I, I love this movie. I'm so glad you threw it on there. Chip and I were dancing around almost talking about it a little bit this week, and I'm glad we didn't because, man, you, you really you summed it up. I mean, it's Denzel versus a train. That's what this movie is. It's a train versus Denzel Washington, and um, it has one of my favorite versions of Denzel, which is like the humbled kind of beat down Denzel who still has his spark. Uh, which is kind of how it leads off when, you know, he reveals that he's basically been fired and is, is just living out his days as a conductor um, and uh, and then beats the train's ass. So, I mean, it's incredible. It, great Denzel. He's a little bit sassy to Chris Pine at some points, too. Oh, yeah. You know, he's Very like, listen, sassy. Listen here, young buck. Listen. Rook. Yeah. You know, he, he schools them on a lot of things. But, you know, of course, they come together at the end and put aside their little trivial differences in order to stop a fucking train. Like, oh, yeah. it's almost a borderline horror movie at some points. Like, the way that yeah. Tony Scott shoots the train, it's like he's shooting, like, some sort of B-horror movie villain. It, it's it is. really awesome. It's almost it's like, a like something out of Saw. Like, that's literally what I was thinking of when I watched this movie, is the way that he will zoom in on the train is the mm-hmm. way that, like, the Saw directors will zoom in on a trap of some kind. The other thing too is like this is the height of Chris Pine stardom, and like yeah, and we're like we're like this is peak Chris Pine, and Denzel blows him off the fucking screen, which is <laughs> you just gotta absolutely love it. Oh, great pick! Uh, all right, I'll go next because um, I'm pretty sure we're gonna have to wait on this, and like I might get shot for putting this at five, but my number five is Training Day. Yeah, this is gonna be yeah, high. We're for waiting me. on that. Yeah, so go ahead, Evan, with your number five. All right, my number five is Inside Man. Higher. This is going to be higher for me. Okay. We're back to Chip. Chip, hit me with your number four. All right. Uh, let me get organized here. My number four is He Got Game. Great pick. This is uh, 1998. Spike Lee's Basketball Fable. One of the most 90s movies ever made, I think. Um, Denzel is a father named Jake Shuttlesworth, who is serving a 
long prison sentence, and his son is played by basketball legend Ray Allen, named infamously Jesus Shuttleworth. Um, Jake gets caught up in this political athlete booster scandal, trying to get his son to commit to a school named Big State, which I think is a great name for a school. <laughs> the governor or the senator or someone, uh, I forget exactly who, they work behind bars, they work with the warden to let Jake out for the week in order to get his son to commit to this school. Obviously, it's a tricky situation because Jake is serving prison time for killing Jesus' mother. So he's got a long way to go to make that happen. What I love about the movie, I think the music is perfect. It's scored by Aaron Copeland. It's got like a really grand orchestra. And we've seen Spike do that before. It's not abnormal. He loves his violins and his big symphonies. But the way he does it on a basketball court, the way he mixes voices with the orchestra and lets that sound build, it's almost spiritual whether it's Jake playing by himself at Attica or Jesus shooting around on a college basketball court. Spike, he'll start messing with the frame rates, mixing up camera angles, overhead, tracking shots. The way he shoots the basketball flying through the air in the blue sky, it is something out of like a Kubrick film. It's transcendent, it's energetic, it's perfectly planned. I think that Ray Allen's performance is like just fine. You know, I think there might be better basketball players who can act, but especially at the time when he was fairly young as well, he's a bit of a relatively like puzzled or innocent performance, but it works well with how hard Denzel has to try and repair their relationship and save himself in the process. Like obviously he wants to be a good father and mend that relationship and the circumstances around the mother's death is a little bit tricky, but obviously he's got like selfish reasons too. Like he wants to get out of jail earlier. Um, I think Spike has a lot to say about what freedom is like the concept or definition Jake's quote unquote release with all the circumstances and conditions around it. It seems to me an apparent stand-in for what black people often experience outside incarceration facilities. And it's the same with Jesus. So many of his conversations and family or friends, they see him as a means to an end. They want him to choose the college. But, you know, they say that, but they really want to control his decisions. You know, it's your choice, you choose. They all have agendas they're bringing to the table, and they're trying to limit his freedom in their own way. Um, the ending is really powerful and really unique a lot of people i think don't like it it kind of is a bit magical i think it bends reality but i think it works i think it's a radical look at what freedom and fatherhood can be but i think the fact that denzel buys all the way in on it uh is what is what makes it work awesome great pick i didn't get a chance to rewatch this one this week did you evan I didn't get to rewatch it this week. This was one of those ones that would make the runs on cable for sure. So I've definitely seen each scene in this movie probably like eight different times, even if I wasn't watching the movie all the way through. Um, overall, really good movie. I mean, this is just goes to show how incredible the filmography of Denzel is that like I couldn't get this on my list. Um, but for any other actor, it would probably be one of the three or four best movies that they've ever made for for me at least. But yeah, great pick. All right, my number four uh, is 2012's Flight. Uh, Higher. Oh, wow. Love it. All right. Evan, hit me with your number four. My number four is Crimson Tide. Hell yeah. Nice. This is, speaking of Tony Scott, this is directed by Tony Scott in 1995. Uh, Denzel plays uh, Lieutenant Commander Ron Hunter, and essentially... He, uh, as the uh, executive officer, and Gene Hackman as the commander of a submarine, go toe-to-toe after the submarine gets a call to launch a nuclear weapon against Russia. And this is kind of like one of those Cold War-era movies. Um, As I said, Denzel goes toe-to-toe with what 
I, I, what Gene Hackman is in the argument for one of the five or 10 best actors of all time. Right. I feel like that's like, not that controversial of a thing to say. It goes absolutely toe to toe. with What's that? I would say a lot of people would, would like put him at number one, like all time. I definitely know some people who would put him at number one. Absolutely. Um, and he goes absolutely toe to toe with Hackman. And I love that Tony Scott at some point in this movie, whether or not it was before the movie or while they were shooting, realized that he was onto something really special because they clear the court and let Hackman and Denzel go one-on-one at least four or five different times. Denzel never gives an inch. And honestly, at times I think he's actually overpowering Hackman in a way that I don't think I've ever seen before. Um, I love the scene when he's commandeering the boat from Hackman. I mean, it is a grade two guys yelling at each other in a way that's comprehensible, but also just exhilarating. Um, it's a prime example, example of acting with expression too. There's a few times when they're really going at each other, but there's a couple times when Hackman gets to go full chatterbox and Denzel is just sitting there quietly and just studying Hackman's face while Hackman is going off. And I think that's some of the most powerful acting that Denzel does in the whole movie and really what makes the, the role for me just incredibly special. Um, and I mean, that whole scene that God help me if you're wrong. And Denzel says, if I'm wrong, then we're at war. God help us all. And it's one of those things that's like the most over the top Tony Scott uh, type dialogue ever. But Denzel gives it a weight that it's like, all right, hand him the Oscar. He got it. It's good. I don't care if this is a genre movie. So I, I, I love this one a lot. I think it's a little bit more focused and human from Tony Scott, mm-hmm. especially compared to some of his later work with Denzel. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of the first half of the movie, Denzel kind of gives way to Hackman, right? And that's kind of yeah. like how their roles on the ship or on the submarine are supposed to be. But he just like explodes like almost exactly halfway through. Yeah. He just is like, okay, get the fuck out of here. This is my ship now. Yeah. Quite literally, you know, I mean, what's a good submarine movie without a captain being relieved yeah. of their command for something? Um, but you're, you're so right. The way that he stares Hackman down, he literally gets punched, I think, a couple of times yeah. by him. And he still is the more powerful character on screen. The way uh, the way Scott shoots him, and just the killer look in his eyes, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. I think uh, did, is it Hans Zimmer who does the score for this? Yeah, unbelievable. There's a couple of moments where it's like classic Hans Zimmer, right? It's it's it almost sounds like early stages of what the Pirates theme was going to be. It does. Um, which actually didn't Howard Shore do that, or is that Hans Zimmer too? He did Pirates, I think so. Was it Howard Shore or was it Hans Zimmer? This is a complete, you know. This is good podcasting, people. I'm Googling it. Yeah, it's Hans. Okay. Oh, it is Hans. So, okay, good. Yeah, well, hey, okay. Know, great, great segue. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, it, it, it's like early Pirates themes, but then also there's moments where it sounds like a hymn or like church music. It's much mm-hmm. more somber and it has kind of this this weight, this gravitas. Um. But yeah, this this is fantastic. I knew this was going to be on your list because I know how you feel about submarines. <laughs> I love submarines, and uh, and this is one of the best. I mean, to me, this is elevated a bit more than some of the other Tony Scott Denzel, or at least they they view it as being a little bit more ele- elevated. Hence, the uh, Hans Zimmer getting involved. But um, yeah. Oh God, a good submarine, submarine, and and Denzel. We're getting like real. Venn diagram turning into a circle of my interest. <laughs> I feel like we should do a Crimson Tide versus The Hunt for Red October. Just two submarine movies. Just wow. It out. I it will. Out. You guys will have to revive me. <laughs> I mean, that's the most like dad verses yet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and Greyhound too. We'll just throw the Tom Hanks. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Yeah, this is a great pick. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't get a chance to rewatch this one either, but I'm kind of kicking myself now because uh, Hans Zimmer's score mm, sounds kind of right up my alley. So I'll definitely have to check this one out. Um, again, I haven't seen it. This is definitely a TV special. This was on TV a lot. Yeah, a yeah lot. for sure. But I haven't, I haven't seen it in a minute. So, all right, Chip, hit us with your number three. We're kind of flying through because uh, we've had some crossover here. I know. It's going to get heavy towards the end. Uh, my number three is Inside Man. Can we talk about it now? We cannot. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. My number three, I'd be shocked if it was on your list. My number three is Man on Fire. Not on my list. Definitely an honorable, but not on my list. Yeah, so, Evan, you talked about having to get a Tony Scott on there. I had to get a Tony Scott on there, man. And this is my, when I think of Denzel on TV, Man on Fire is it. My dad loves this movie. Um, Denzel plays, uh, you know, former CIA agent who swears vengeance uh, on people that were committed unspeakable acts of violence against uh, the family he was sworn to protect. Essentially... A little girl gets kidnapped, and Denzel kills everybody to find out where where she is. This is kind of the original Taken uh, idea, uh, except it's not the guy's you know daughter, but you know pseudo daughter. I love this movie. I love Denzel doing like action star shit, and I couldn't help but draw comparisons to like John Wick when yeah. I when I was watching this movie. I had forgotten like how good the action in this movie is um, and how quick and how athletic and like imposing Denzel is in this movie. He is just so it's just a man on a mission. He's angry. uh, And I mean, it's definitely not his like his like, you know, premier acting uh, experience, but I think this is some of the most fun I have watching him. I love Denzel action star. um, And this movie just, just gets me every time it's, you know, young Dakota Fanning which you know, which was, uh important to me and like my life growing up like my she was in a lot of movies that you know I I watched all the time so like seeing her I don't know it's like nostalgic and Christopher Walken man I mean this is just a it's just a good good movie uh it's a good time even though it's pretty intense you know theme but dude Denzel just goes and murders everybody and tortures people too which is like that's kind of the those are the hardest parts of this movie to watch is when he's you know like interrogating people for information. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie. This is the Tony Scott um, Denzel, if I had to pick um, of those. So this is the only Tony Scott Denzel, actually the only Tony Scott movie, I think, period, that he has edited himself, that Tony Scott has done the editing work on. Mm. And I think you can tell, right? All the trademark, you know, quick cuts, zooms, weird effects are there, but it's like taken to another level. Whereas Unstoppable is like a lot faster and just just a bit tighter. It's just like Man on Fire is so bloated in the best way. It's going to give you like everything you possibly need and then like five more of whatever shot of him like burning someone's face with a cigarette lighter. Just an incredible title too. Man on Fire. It's like it's literally just the most it's like making no bones about what it's trying to be. This is a man who is doing like just going wild so i love this movie um all right evan my number three is malcolm x cool this is going to be well are we going to my number two next yeah yes my number two is malcolm x so why don't you just go ahead and kick it off okay cool so uh malcolm x 1992 directed by spike lee uh denzel plays malcolm x and it's a biopic 
about Malcolm X. And it really does try to cover his almost his entire life from when he's essentially a teenager, right? Maybe like 17, 18, 19 years old, uh, leading to his death when he was uh, 39 years old. Um, this is probably the most complete acting performance that Denzel ever put together and possibly one of the most complete acting performances of all time because he legitimately does portray somebody over the course of their life. But not only that, he's portraying Malcolm X in such different stages of his life because Malcolm X, as we all know, is, is such a, a complicated person and lives such a complicated life, starting as like a charismatic but definitely unsure of himself like um criminal basically and and kind of like troublemaker i guess you could say um and then he turned into like a really unsure um uh like flat-footed um and abused uh criminal um or not criminal um abused um why am i blanking on the word Incar oh person who's incarcerated i don't know why i'm not i cannot come up with the synonym right now but when he's in prison um leading to him being like one of the most controlled, profound, uh, charismatic speakers and uh, philosophers of his time. So it's really amazing to watch Denzel go through this entire formation. And honestly, the fact that Denzel took on the role of playing one of the most charismatic people in American history and absolutely pulled it off and was given so much credit for, you know, living up to what um, Malcolm X represented and who Malcolm X was really just kind of speaks to how amazing he was in the role. Um, but this is just the ultimate charisma, uh, just one of the most charismatic, powerful performances of all time, really. And I just, uh, it blows me away. Normally I try to be interesting and limit director appearances on this top five style podcast, but I think that the three spike Denzel collapse that I picked are just too good. Um, I think this is maybe the greatest performance of a real human figure maybe in the history of movies ever um i think maybe that's insane that this movie is second on my list for that reason considering the scope of it and the craft behind it you pulled a me i know <laughs> that's why you inspired me i agree and i left it off my top five like so that's like that's i pulled the ultimate me so don't worry guys i'll let you off the hook. exactly um and outside of just of just denzel here uh watching some of these we obviously did you know we did a spike lee movie a couple weeks ago um, we, I watched, you know, a couple of this, this week in preparation for this podcast. I just got to say, nobody does an opening that pulls you in quite like Spike Lee in every single one of his movies. The opening is unbelievable and just completely like takes you and like, is like, this is a movie that you need to watch. And I just wanted to mention that because it really hit me over the head this week watching uh, a couple of these movies where I was like, wow, he's just so good. Um, at these intros so uh all right guys anything else to say on malcolm x unbelievable movie unbelievable performance one more thing i gotta mention and i think it's telling that on the he got game podcast we i don't think once mentioned spike lee as an actor other than to mention him acting against other people man i I kind of felt bad for Spike at a few points when I was rewatching Malcolm X. I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> the fact that he, he had to be directing everyone while also acting against Denzel Washington, giving this performance and just getting absolutely wiped off the screen by Denzel. It was like, I was almost like, oh man, Spike, why did you even do this to yourself, dude? <laughs> like it was, um, it's, I mean, it, he's a wrecking ball in the movie. Denzel is, he, he does it to everyone in the movie, but 
just thinking about Spike, especially because we just talked about he got game. I was like, oh boy, that's a that's a tough ask of yourself. Yeah, Angela Bassett is incredible as well. She I think is that uh, can't understate what she was able to do um, to play opposite the man of Denzel and the man of Malcolm X. Yeah, absolutely true. All right, uh, so Chip, that was your number two, Evan. Your number three, so it's my number two now, right? All right, guys. Uh, like I said earlier, when I was picking this list, I had to pick with my heart. And so number two is Remember the Titans. Excellent, excellent. On either on no, either no. of you guys' list, no? Honorable. I don't know if this movie needs an introduction. I think it's one of the greatest sports movies of all time. Uh, it's obviously based on a true story. Um, I think it's one of the most like, revered uh, stories ever of a African-American coach uh, taking over a high school football team um, and having to deal with uh, integrating uh, the different cultures and, and races uh, on the team and, you know, kind of the triumph and heartbreak that is associated with that. Um, you know, we're sports fans. I'm not, a, I, I would say like relative to most people, I'm not a huge football guy, but this movie is just infinitely heartwarming, infinitely rewatchable, um, and at times infinitely heartbreaking. Um, this just goes to show you like what Denzel can do. He can be Malcolm X and he can also kind of be in this like prototypical sports movie and still blow you away off the screen. Um, his charisma as like this dad figure of not just this football team, but of the town really, uh, is incredible. Uh, and the level of like, sophistication and class that he brings to this type of movie uh, is just unmatched. And I think he is what elevates it to kind of where it is in the pantheon of sports movies um, outside of just the story itself. So uh, love this movie. It's really close to my heart um, up there with my favorite sports movies, which is actually an episode I can't believe we haven't done yet. Favorite sports movies. I know we've like talked about sports movies and even done solo pods about like Moneyball, for example. But I mean, yeah, this is it would absolutely be in the conversation for a top five. I, you know, it's one of those movies that like every coach has shown their team at yeah, some point. Of course. You know, like it's we've so all been, you know, in the locker room and it's like, hey, this is or like at least a scene, you know, at least the the left side, strong side seat or something like that, you know. Um, yeah, this is this is fantastic. I mean, shout out to. Uh, Shout out to Ryan Gosling, too. Yeah, huge shout out, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, this is, I feel like this is one of the prime examples of Denzel absolutely elevating the material that he's working with. There's just, Jed, like you said, the sophistication that he brings, it can be a little bit messy when you take these genre movies, like a sports movie or an action movie or something, and kind of push in um, like uh, cultural critique or things kind of along those lines. Sometimes it can feel a little like forced. But it just doesn't feel that way with Denzel because it feels so important because he's the one delivering these lines. He's the one doing the acting with all of these people. He's the one bringing the not just the charisma, but like the serious nature of the issues that they're tackling, along with just making a really cool sports movie. So this is a real encapsulation of what Denzel does. And just another example of like Denzel doing a little bit of everything. Like he he had he had to get this one in, uh, you know we're talking about Hackman. Hackman had Hoosiers and stuff like Denzel had to get Remember the Titans in there to to complete the career, and um, it just happened to be fucking what twenty years ago, and he's still rolling. So I wonder if 
John David Washington ever had to like, because he played college football. I wonder if he ever had to be in a locker room and hear something from a member of the Titans being like yeah. quoted to him or played. 100%. A thousand had percent, to. dude. A thousand percent. Like, I think, like, I think about this all the time. Like, kids of famous movie stars just have to get like quotes shouted at them all the time. Yeah. All the time. Like, I mean, we'll get, and we'll get to, I'm, I know there's a, a movie that's coming up that is potentially the most quotable Denzel performance, but I mean, there's no way he wasn't in a locker room and just getting his dad's quotes yelled at him 24 seven. I'm thinking it happened a lot in like youth football. Like when he's in like seventh grade, you know, the dads will <laughs> yeah. pop in and just be like John and just like toss a quote out there at him from remember the Titans. <laughs> For sure. Oh, all right. Chip or sorry. No, Evan, you're number two. Is, so it's my number, number two, two, and Jed, I believe this is your number four, and I want to let you uh, kick it off. My number two is Flight. No, I'll let you kick it off. It's higher on your list. Okay, fair enough. 2012, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, Denzel is playing a man named Whip Whitaker, uh, Captain Whip Whitaker. Who it's is up there with, po- with Woodcock as far as like yeah. some of the greatest names of the 2010s movie characters. Absolutely. When he turns to somebody and says, yeah, my name's Whip, I I don't know. There's some unintentional comedy involved there. And and part of that (laughs) is because Denzel just brings that to almost every role. So he's got a little bit of a twinkle in his eye. Um, This is a movie about a pilot who essentially gets into a broken plane. The plane breaks. He lands it successfully. Everyone uh, calls it a miracle, says no other pilot could have ever done this. And it turns out that he blew a point two or would have blown a point two was absolutely hammer drunk and, uh, you know, was obviously in trouble because of that. And, and kind of the trials and tribulations of him dealing with alcoholism, um, uh, having this girlfriend who had been a drug addict, uh, having a kid, you know, this movie. So that kind of leads me into one of the reasons I love this movie so much or love Denzel in this movie so much. This movie has a lot going on. It's two hours and 20 minutes. Probably could have been an hour and 47 and been perfectly fine. There's like two extra storylines tossed in that are just kind of inexplicable and not really explained or or fleshed out at all. But Denzel is incredible in this movie. And he was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. And I think easily could have won. 2013 was a crazy year. Um, He carries the entire film on his back. Uh, some of the most powerful scenes I've ever seen are when he's in the plane, just fighting against this, this plane that's going down, um, really hard acting to do considering you're just sitting on some set with the camera shaking in front of you. It's really powerful. Some of the scenes he does in the hospital, incredibly powerful and just absolutely, absolutely eats up scenery with a couple Mm. of the needle drops in this movie. At the beginning of this movie, he rips a line of cocaine and there's an immediate cut to him walking out of a hotel room in slow motion wearing aviators in the middle of like a Marriott in Orlando. Mm. And it's the coolest fucking scene you've ever seen in your life. And that's just, just the epitome of Denzel. Um, And the last thing I'll say, Jed, before I pass it off to you is he plays a drunk in this movie and he seems legitimately hammered in so many of these scenes. I don't know how he did it. I don't know what his method was that he, he was able to use to get into uh, this performance, but he seemed like he was actually drunk through so much of this movie. It's it's incredible. I actually agree with that. I want to know how he did that. Like he had to have like they had to have done something to his eyes because it's his eyes that make him look so drunk in this. Yeah, and the way he talks, like he, yeah. it's not just that he's slurring. Like it's like with no. that thing that drunk people do where they just start talking and words come out. Like they're in no mm. particular order, so there's no way you could have written that in a script. It's just like. Words are just pouring out of his mouth with no discernible meaning 
but you know that he's trying to tell you something it's it's kind of incredible yeah awesome i this is such a good movie this was number four um on my list and easily could have been higher this is his most like straightforward let's win this guy an oscar performance right this is an oscar movie um in every sense of the word he was nominated for best actor i think he wins in almost every other year but do you know who won yeah that 2013 daniel day lewis for playing lincoln and if that's not just like the most perfect like hollywood (laughs) you know who else was that year ben affleck argo was no, he, nominated? he didn't get no, nominated. But they, that, but they won Best Picture. Right. He year. didn't get nominated, though. Joaquin Phoenix in The Master. It's like kind of a legendary Best Ooh. Actor race. Oh, yeah. I, Joaquin probably should have won that, right? Yeah, that's what I say. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis playing Abraham Lincoln is basically like as straightforward of an Oscar, yeah, we're voting for this, as yeah. like you, you could ever imagine. I love when um, people are like, Daniel Day-Lewis was Lincoln, and I'm just like, how do you know? Do, do, were you at the theater? Like, what? <laughs> like, what? How do you know who Lincoln is? What do you, it's not like he played somebody yeah. who's alive now, and you're just like, oh, yeah, Brad Pitt is Billy Bean. It's like, okay, well, people fucking talk to Billy Bean. Like, how do you know he was Lincoln? I just think it's like Daniel Day-Lewis, no, arguably. it's the, incredible. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, he is incredible. But this yeah. is probably, you're right, this is like one of the most legendary years in like recent history as far as like uh best actor performances but back to flight back to denzel i mean this is just unbelievable performance by him like you mentioned the way he's able to like kind of convince you that he's loaded the entire time um and this movie is just denzel for two hours and 30 minutes there's nobody else. And like if that's not movie star shit, then I, I don't know what is. Uh, I, I love this performance by him. Um, it's definitely not like my favorite movie from him, which is kind of why I left it at number four. But the performance is just so spectacular that I, I had to get it in there. So uh, nice pick at number two, Evan. Uh, and that was my number four. Chip? Yeah, this is a movie that like I would rather just watch YouTube clips of different scenes <laughs> yeah. than actually watch the entire movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's, the acting is just that good. I mean, especially the scene at the end, you know, in the courtroom. The, you know, I was drunk then. I'm drunk right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fucking amazing. This, is, I, this isn't even my favorite Denzel Don Cheadle movie, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, I have to say, too, I, I told you guys this story, but this is one of the funniest things is my wife, we are like, I was sitting down. I'm like, oh, yeah, we got to watch some Denzel this week for uh, for the podcast. She goes, oh. You know what movie I've been meaning to see is that a movie where he's that 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 drunk pilot. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for that. That was really good. That looked really good. We got to watch that. As if like it came out like a year and a half ago and she just never got around to seeing it. I'm like this came out in 2012. <laughs> I was like but she still remembered the trailer. So this is <laughs> yeah. like up there. I think this has earned like and I hate saying this because we talked about our affection for this movie. But how broke back is like the gay cowboy movie. This is like the drunk pilot movie. You know, yeah. like it's earned that kind of status yeah. like, in the in the culture. It had a fire trailer too. Oh yeah. The trailer oh, was heat. Also, shout out for twenty twelve, the special effects are unbelievable. Really good. Yeah, the like the plane sequences. So I, I really in, in, uh, enjoy this movie. Chip, I think we know what your number one is gonna be. I think it's on all of our all of our lists. It's gotta be. My number one is training day. It's my number one as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're number one and my number yeah. five. All right, kick it off, guys. Tranny Day. Like, this This is legitimately a perfect movie to me. I've used words yeah. like masterpiece and stone cold classic. This movie is perfect. I don't mean it doesn't have flaws, because it does. Dr. Dre, for example, not a good actor. Love you, guy. <laughs> like, you're here to expand your entertainment portfolio resume. Good for you. But... Every second of this movie, I am just like transported, locked in, every pleasure center in my brain, just like activated. Like, remember last week, I said that Eddie Murphy and Boomerang was the coolest looking person of all time? I was telling a lie. Yes. Denzel in Training Day. Yes. He's the coolest looking person of all time. The giant cross, that black leather jacket with the two guns that he can just whip out in any moment. This man is so cool. Ethan Hawke, I mean, we know this story. He is the trainee for the day. He talks about how he had to prepare for this role like he was an actual athlete. And he's a great actor, don't get me wrong. He has to try hard to be Denzel's bitch. But (laughs) even if he did want to stand up to him in the film, he physically couldn't. Denzel is that fucking good. Like, even in the climactic moment where Hawke, like, is able to walk away, he doesn't really win. He doesn't beat Denzel. He just, like, escapes by the skin of his teeth. I was trying to think of a, a metaphor for how good Denzel is in this movie. His character arc reminds me of like the story of Icarus, right? Who flew too close to the sun. Alonzo flies like over the sun's surface the entire movie and like gives us something unique, so burning and strong. Like you know the crash is coming, and when he falls down into the sun, it's like eminent and splendid and powerful. But he is just on fire. Like he made man on fire in training day. He is quite literally on fire the entire runtime. I can rewatch this movie a hundred times. I don't care that he like exemplifies everything that is bad about like police <laughs> in America. I'm just like, fuck yeah, Alonzo. Tell me more about how you're gonna make your trainee smoke crack in the middle of an intersection <laughs> and then go <laughs> rob a drug dealer. I hope you do this every day. Exactly. At least he own, at least they own it in this movie. Like they're straight up <laughs> they're just put on its face. He's just like, Yeah, I'm a criminal. Like he literally like just uh just admits it freely. But oh my gosh, this this is incredible. This is when I think of Denzel Washington, this is Alonzo Harris is exactly who I picture in my head. The goatee, everything. Um he has the big fiery speeches, he has the little smart ass quips. It starts immediately. Ethan Hawke, even when he's on the phone with Denzel in the very first scene, uh, Denzel's already just on his ass, just on his ass the whole time. They sit there at the diner. Um, at one point, like you were saying, they get caught in some traffic or they they stop in an intersection. A car comes up on them. Denzel literally pulls a gun just on a guy in his car and yells at him to stop honking his horn. <laughs> this movie is pretty ridiculous, but it is so great. Um, and obviously, you know, one of the most indelible scenes of this movie is the huge speech at the end that Denzel gives the King Kong speech. But, um, he has just so many little lines that just give such like a Denzel flair to this movie. Uh, the one that really sticks with me, I love when he says, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. And there's just so many times that he's telling us to the camera, I'm the biggest prick in the world. I am the biggest asshole in the world. And still, I swear to this day, I'm rooting for him for so long during this movie. And I feel terrible about it. I'm like, stop, this guy is bad. But the whole time I'm just like, Alonzo's the coolest dude I've ever seen in my life. Like, just let him rock. It's fine. The the thing is, uh, like about this movie is there's nobody else that could have played that part. Like there's nobody else that could 
have been that much of an asshole and still endear you in that way, like you said, Evan, where you're like, I'm rooting for him the whole time. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And the King Kong speech is like, I mean, ultimate pre-YouTube YouTube material. It's just so good. I mean, this is his Oscar. One of them, but yeah. Or this, this is, is his yeah, best sorry. actor. This is his best actor. Oscar. Yep, absolutely. What's his absolutely. other one? He won. Uh, he Glory. won supporting for Glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is his best actor. This Oscar. is his best actor that he'd been chasing. Yeah, it's so ironic that he got it with this movie too. I think that's like true Denzel power. Yeah, that he's in all these like prestigious movies, and he won it for the movie in which it's this movie. I mean, he won it for Training Day. It's it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love the way that Denzel asks questions that he knows the answer to. Like, yeah. <laughs> when they're at the diner scene, he's like, you have a dick, don't you? Yeah. And like, yeah, you know he has a dick. Or he's like, oh, you, you think I'm a liar, so I'm lying. I'm a liar. And he's like, you know what a train is, don't you? He's like, <laughs> he's so overpowering. Constantly. Yeah. It, it exemplifies like one of the coolest things about Denzel, too. Which is that, yes, he's a movie star. Yes, he's going to headline every movie that he's in at this point. Like, that's just the way it works. But he's just as good playing off somebody else and giving somebody else just enough rope to hang with him as he is at like doing what he does in flight, which is carry the movie entirely on his back other than like a couple John Goodman scenes and Don Cheadle hanging on for dear life. Like they, he can do both of those things so seamlessly. And this movie is, is a perfect example of that. And Chip, like you were saying, I love that story that, that Ethan Hawke tells basically like gearing up for doing this movie, like somebody would gear up for like, guarding LeBron in the finals or something yeah. like that, you know, just like a physical mental preparation to just be like beat into dust every single day and then have to get up and do it again the next day. Um, but Denzel always gives, always gives just enough rope to keep everybody uh, uh, along the same plane. Awesome. Wonderful pick. Both of you guys is number one, right? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yep. Guys, when I said I was picking with my heart, I was picking with my heart. My number one is inside man. I fucking love this movie so much this is my favorite spike lee movie it's my favorite denzel i love a good heist movie and this one is up there with like some of the best i mean it subverts expectations uh, talking about an unbelievable intro just the lighter shot of clive owen like talking to the camera breaking the fourth wall talking about how he's gonna plan this perfect bank robbery uh everything about this movie it just oozes swagger like, I, how ridiculous is it that Denzel is, like, a New York City detective, and he's rolling up to a crime scene wearing a hat like he's wearing, and he's, like, straightening it out, and he, like, just strutting around these crime scenes the whole time. Um, I absolutely adore this movie. I know it's your guys' list. Who, where was it on your guys' list? I had it at five. I had it at three. Way too low. It's just unbelievably disrespectful to how good of a movie this is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just think, like, it's really, this movie is kind of, it's like the showdown between Clive Owen and, and Denzel, but it's really just Denzel, like, against all these other, like, people that are giving pretty good performances. I think Clive Owen's pretty fun to watch in this movie. Then him and Jodie Foster have, like, a couple amazing moments, and then, uh, obviously, the late, great Clis Christopher Plummer. Um, this plot is just wild, uh, and... There's a lot of holes that we could poke in it, but I'm not going to because it's just way too much fun. Uh, I just feel like this is this is Denzel at the peak of like, I don't know. This movie just feels so self-aware. He's like, I'm the coolest person on planet Earth right now, and I'm just going to be really 
fucking cool in this movie. Like every time I watch this movie, that's the sense that I get. Uh, unbelievably fun, uh, unbelievable performance by him. I, I really think he like brings a little bit of serious, like enough seriousness and enough comedy. Uh, and this ending has always like really like torn me. Like, do I like it? Do I not like it? But his reaction when he pulls the diamond out of his pocket and then realizes like what happened, he's like, unbelievable. And he's just like, ah, like he got the better of me. Like in a way that only Denzel could do. I, I, I love this movie. Absolutely love it. My number one. I like I like this movie a lot too. I like this movie a lot too. I mean it's an awesome movie overall. Um I actually do really enjoy the ending because I think the the movie throughout the whole thing is trying to trying to let you in on the joke that it is a bit of a joke that they're not out here trying yeah. to tell like a documentary style story. Um this is one of the funniest Denzel roles. I mean at one point he says uh, I got him right where you want him. And his partner asks, where's that? And he said, behind me with my pants around my ankles, but it's a start. Like he's saying this stuff in the middle of this like huge hostage negotiation in the middle of New York City. Um, And this is also another one of my favorite Denzels where he's kind of seems like maybe he's lost a step a little bit uh, behind the times, maybe even a little bit. Um, But he's got just enough of a twinkle in his eye that, you know, the comeback is coming. Even when Jodie Foster seems to kind of have him against the ropes, you don't know how the first time that you watch it, but you know he's got a trick up his sleeve, and uh, boy did he. He actually just had a pen up his sleeve recording his conversation. So um, it, it is it is pretty on the nose, and uh, yeah, this is a great pick. I, I couldn't – there's just so much other stuff going on in this movie that I couldn't quite put it a little bit higher, um, but overall as a movie, it, it's it's incredible, and Denzel just – the elevation is awesome. I just got to say, talking about like the the tricks up his sleeve and and all this, this we've talked about this a couple times. How movies now just explain too much to the audience, right? They like they like go out of their way to tell you what's happening. And what I love about this movie is Spike doesn't ever try to tell you what's happening. He drops his little hints like early on, like when they like they you know say the thing about the pen, right? If you're paying attention, you know that's going to come into play later, but. When he gives her, when he gives her the pen, you know, at the end, or or like the whole the whole time when you know he's got the pen, like none of like these things that are like these you know twists, he like goes out of his way to like have Denzel say a line where he's like, oh yeah, this pen, boom, it records things, you know, like re, you know, like <laughs> like there like that never happens, but like I feel like if this movie came out today, like somebody, I mean somebody would explain it to, to you. And I just like, I don't know. I had to get that in there. This doesn't really have to do anything with necessarily this movie in general, but I miss that about movies is when they just like let the movie be. And then you got to like figure all that stuff out on your own. It was kind of like a fun little, little puzzle. And, and it's very plain to see. I mean, but I just like, like, like you said, you just knew he was going to get away with something, but they don't have to explain to you like what's going to happen. And like, I really miss that. Like I hate I hate that about uh about movies now and I don't I don't know why that is. I guess we're getting dumber as an audience. But Chip, this is on your list too, so I you need to get to talk about it. I, I just wanna add like I love the like you said, the costume choices for Denzel and the wardrobe, but also his little mustache that he's got going on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fantastic. <laughs> super, super classic. I mean, the mutual respect that Denzel and Clive Owen end up having for each other is awesome. It's less like Crimson Tide where one is like clearly supposed to be the good guy and maybe at the beginning you think oh you know we should root for the cop whatever because that's what hollywood tells us but like 
they are legit equals. This is a perfect stalemate in this game of chess. Um, I think that, like, I could, like, he invites him for a beer, kind of as a joke, but I want to see that. I want, like, give me, like, a five-minute scene of them just, like, drinking a beer together, and I think it'd be so fantastic and and, and funny. Um, The wide range, there's so many, like, secondary and tertiary characters in this movie, but they're all so fun and interesting. The different hostages in the bank, the employees, the mayor, Christopher Plummer, uh, Jodie Foster, Willem Dafoe, everyone has, like, their angle and their bit, and they're so funny. Like, no one's neglected. Like, every character, mm-hmm. even the the cop who, uh, you know, first sees the bank is being robbed, eventually he yeah. has a conversation later with Denzel that t- says a lot about his character and says a lot about Denzel's character, too. No one is wasted. No, it's such a love letter to New York and, like, the types of characters that exist there. I one of my favorite lines in the movie is actually when the uh, the female member of like the bank robbing team is like being questioned, and they're like, "Well, you're one of the the two that uh, fit the description," uh, and, then, and then she's like, "Well, you know, fair skinned, tall, dark hair," and and he kind of looks down and he goes, "So what? I'm in violation of section double D thirty four. I know. <laughs> It's just like it, this movie didn't have to do that, but it just takes its time to be to be hilarious. Uh, yeah, this is oh, I love this movie. Yeah, this is a definitely a probably shouldn't be like at at number one for me, but God, I just I had to pick with my heart, and I I love this movie a lot. All right, guys, uh, before we hop into some honorables, let's run through our lists uh, again real quick. Chip, I had Unstoppable at five. He got Game at four. Inside Man three. Malcolm X 2, Training Day 1. And I had Training Day at 5, Flight at 4, Man on Fire at 3, Remember the Titans at 2, and Inside Man at number 1. Evan, what about you? I had Inside Man at 5, Crimson Tide at 4, Malcolm X at 3, Flight at 2, and Training Day at 1. All right, any honorables uh, that you guys had outside of uh, the ones that we said, because I think a lot of my honorables were on your guys' list. Yeah, I'll kind of branch out. Uh, Devil in a Blue Dress, I mentioned it. Uh, it's a yep. weird neo-noir Los Angeles movie that like will never get made again. But uh, Denzel's great. Don Cheadle is hilarious in this one. Very, very strange uh, performances there, but really memorable. American Gangster. A, Love that movie. Not a, not a great movie, but a really interesting yeah. movie and a lot of different performances. Obviously, amazing soundtrack. Um, and then if I had to pick a third one, I don't know. I, I like the first Equalizer movie. Movie, I think it's pretty fun. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually really think American Gangster. It's it's way too bloated. Huge. Um, but I think, but I think there's some there's some parts that are awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, and I would say the only one I'd really add to that because I had Malcolm X, Unstoppable, and Crimson Tide on here, um, as um, well as American Gangster, but uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I think that that's just an awesome Denzel. Perf- performance i don't necessarily love the movie but i actually think he's really good in it another another uh one of those where he's probably the highlight of the movie for me yeah those are all good ones just to mention a couple um pelican brief i was a huge john grisham fan growing up i read a lot of john grisham books and the fact that denzel washington and julia roberts headlined one it's pretty juiced about that i think it's a good performance um remember the titans i also had and then uh so a couple of Tony Scott's together, taking a Pelham one, two, three, deja vu. I won't spend any time, but go watch those movies. And then the last one that I'll mention, and this is 
probably not the best movie we'll talk about. Or I know it's not the best movie that we'll talk about. Um, but one I had to mention because it's on TV all the time. And it's one that my brother and I absolutely loved growing up. It's Book of Eli. And this Ooh, movie is not great. Yes. G- Gary Oldman gives an unbelievable performance. And Denzel Washington literally plays like this mythical figure. And it just feels like the most de- – I get – I so get why Denzel Washington chose to do this role and why they wanted to cast him in in this part because he's literally like a wizard throughout the whole movie, Uh, like avoiding bullets shot at him from point blank range. Um, Remembered the entire Bible and uh, turned out to be a blind man at the end. Sorry if there's spoilers there. Spoiler alert, I guess. But this movie to me is like right up there with the, the these movies that like aren't that good, but should have been. Like, you know, where you're like, you get what they were going for, and maybe the execution, like, wasn't quite there, but they were, like, two clicks away from being, like, an absolute sensation. Yeah. Like, I get why everyone signed up for it. Sometimes I I get it. It just doesn't come together to be, like, an Oscar winner. But, like, I get why people read the script and heard about the other people in it and were like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Guys, that was fun. Denzel's amazing. I think we could, maybe, like, at some point uh, in the future, we should do, like, a what's our ne- the next best five Denzel. I think that could be a kind of a fun little thing to do. Uh, yeah. But now it's time for hot take corner and Evan's ass is in the hot seat for the first time in a while. So let's cue that fire. Okay. Welcome to hot take corner where we say things that get us in trouble. Uh, like, I, I think I'm the only one that gets in trouble from these things. Like, my jaw's taken. You've got mail. So, Evan, put your ass in the hot seat for one time. What's your what's your Denzel Washington hot take? So, I was trying to come up with one, and, and I had a few floating through my head. And, and I could go crazy and just be like, oh, Denzel's the greatest actor of all time. But it, it's it's really hard to, like, have, like, a, a decent, you know, five-minute conversation about something like that. Um, so, what I had to go with, and I was thinking, like, oh, man, is this even a hot take? But then it's been 20 years since he's won one. So my hot take is Denzel has another Oscar win in him. Ooh. I think Denzel will win another Oscar. I'm not going to go super hot take and say it could come next year after he plays Macbeth in Joel Cohen's Macbeth movie. Oh, my God. But Denzel, I think, has another Oscar in him. And I won't I won't specify because I think there's a chance that it's uh, supporting in a role that Maybe he even plays with his son in a supporting role or something kind of along those lines. But um, he just – I think he's going to age really well into his career, and I think he's going to keep working. The guy just does movies all the time. The only time you ever see him skip a year uh, and not do a movie usually is because he did two the year before or something or has two coming up the year after. So, um yeah, I don't even know if that's an incredibly hot take, but it has been 20 years since he won one. So that's like, that's a pretty good, pretty good stretch. I love that take. I was, cause I actually, that was part of the conversation that I wanted to have is like, what do we think Denzel should do next? And obviously he's doing Macbeth, which I think if, if we're not sitting here and like, and saying that him as Macbeth is not an attempt, like, like a straight face attempt to win an Oscar, like, what are we doing? But I, I would love to see something with him and, and his son because his son is is become a prominent face in Hollywood. I need like a I need like a true old school father son heartwarming movie directed by like Barry Jenkins or something. Just like give me every give me everything I want 
with like with just those two on screen going toe to toe. So you want them in a drama? Yeah, like I want like like a like a strained relationship where something at the end, like you know, comes like you know they come together like something I'm gonna cry at and then you know, like be feel good at the end. What do you want them in an action movie? Oh yeah. I mean, sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want both of them whipping ass. Well, it depends. If you want them to get an Oscar. The Equalizer yeah. 3. The Equalizer's son. That's what I'm saying. It, like, <laughs> like, what was the... Which one of the diehards did Bruce Willis have his son along with him? Oh, Not his yeah. actual son, but oh, yeah. whichever die one hard like 12. the live for die your diehard or, you know, diehardest, whatever the fuck it was. I want to see that, whether it's in the form of an Equalizer movie still with Still dying son. hard. Like, that's not going to be the one that gets him his next Oscar, but I don't care. I still want to see it. Yeah. Tenet Man, two. Tenet what two. if it does though? Oh my Rainy god! Day. Tenet two, where Denzel plays old John David. Oh yes, fuck! It. I mean, we just wrote it for you, Christopher Nolan. Oh man, he's definitely not winning an Oscar. Wait, in okay, Tenet hold two. on, hold on. Who plays? Who plays old? Who plays old Pattinson in that movie? Willem Dafoe. <gasps> Willem Dafoe. What a great call! <laughs> just half the size. Yeah, half the size. We'll have to put Willem Dafoe on stilts. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Willem Dafoe. What a fucking great actor. Dude, what if... I mean, this sounds like kind of reductive because we were just talking about him, but couldn't you see like a little a little Clive Owen action? Kind of similar bodies a oh, little bit. Oh, yeah. Both. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Wait. Let's Clive... get him some work too. Another another idea? Hugh Grant? Yeah. I think wow, he, Hugh that... Grant... They have very similar um, hair. Well, not similar, but the paths that they took as far as like not doing the movies that they really wanted to do, but kind of being typecast for quite a while. Um, obviously, Hugh Grant made like 180 gazillion dollars in the 90s doing it, and Robert Pattinson made Twilight, but still, made Twilight made money. I mean, he he made a billion dollars probably doing what that. A, That's true. What in? Yeah. Okay. This is a movie, gentlemen. This is a movie. I, I think let's all email Nolan, good friend of the pod, of course, um, and we'll get we'll get this we'll get this green lit. Yeah, right um, after we're done. Amazing, sounds good. Awesome, uh, Evan. I love that take out of you, dude. I mean, he's gonna win another Oscar. I have to like believe it in my bones. I, here's here's my question. This actually would be good, and I maybe it's a little bit e- too easy to answer because he's playing Macbeth next year. Who's gonna win an Oscar first, Denzel or John David? Probably Denzel. I don't. I think I don't Denzel. Know if yeah, I think that there's like there's a higher chance of Denzel getting kind of like a legacy Oscar to like not that I he agree. doesn't have one, but you know sometimes maybe it maybe it'll be a weak year. You know, less people are making movies, less movie stars. Denzel is not going to stop making movies for a few years, I don't think. So maybe he gets a legacy award in a in a, maybe a light year on the categories. Um, I think John David could win an Oscar. I think he's got a little ways to go. I have a feeling he's probably going to get typecast for a little bit too and maybe explore other opportunities. I don't know if he's going to be as prolific. So if I had to guess, I would say it's more likely Denzel gets one, gets another one next. And, uh, you know, we'll see how the Academy uh, treats John David. I hope they treat him well. I Yeah, that's my only can. I would love to see more. I don't know. I want to see him do a rom-com. I mean, I just want to see more rom-coms in general. I know we've, we've talked about that. But I think he's the perfect kind of guy to do that. He's so handsome, and and uh, he's got a he's got a good energy and kind of a wry smile. I think he could he could uh, definitely do a really successful rom com. I think hey the uh, 2020s the rebirth of the rom com. I'm 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 ready for it. Come on, Greta, make Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. 
Don't let us down. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. That was a super fun episode. I absolutely love Denzel, um, and I know you guys do too, so this was really fun to revisit a lot of his movies. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always. Uh, if you always make it this far in the episode, we cannot thank you enough for listening to us uh, rant and ramble. Please follow us on uh, Twitter, at Flick and Scream, on Instagram, at Flicking and Screaming. Uh, join the conversation. Uh, let us know. Uh, get us on Letterbox. We all individually have Letterbox that you can find uh, via our Twitters. Uh, and let us know what you guys have been watching. Let us know what you guys have been enjoying. If you have any episode ideas for the show, hit us up. Let us know. Let us know what you guys want to hear. Um, we're excited uh, to be chatting with you. So next week, uh, just an absolutely bizarre. We're putting Chip through the ringer again. It's a Jed and Evan episode. We're doing National Treasure versus Harry Potter, the Prisoner of Azkaban. This is going to be truly uh one for the ages i think in uh the annals of flicking and screaming history i'm excited are you guys excited evan yeah this this one's gonna be wild i i actually am looking forward to this one. i think there's a good chance that this one can go completely off the rails which is probably good considering we just all agreed like eighty thousand times in a row on denzel being the best of all time uh so i, I i'm looking forward to it I think these movies have a little bit more in common than maybe on face value. And, uh, you know, this is not my expertise, the Harry Potter cinematic universe, but I'm going to get out of my comfort zone for you guys again. You know, it's, I feel this is funny. Uh, is like, we are like, Hey chip, do you want to come be the third co-host of this podcast? And we kind of like, like eased him in, like talking about a lot of stuff that like he would love to talk about. And they're like, Hey, guess what? We're going to talk about rom-coms. We're going to talk about Harry Potter movies, and we're going to talk about National Treasure. And then he's just like, what did I do? What what a mistake I have made. <laughs> I have no regrets. Yeah. Not yet. Hey. Uncut Gems is on Netflix. Chip's got everything he needs. <laughs> he's all right. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much. This is a ton of fun. Uh, this is Flinging and Screaming. I'm Jed Sprague, JT Chipman, Evan Fagundis. Have a good one, everybody. See you. See you, guys.